teacher. And so when folk want to lift up Thomas Jefferson and the rest of these founders as some paragons of virtue when they were blatant racist, I'm, it is a major misnomer. It is just right, just outright a laugh in the pits of hell to suggest that black folk was introduced to Jesus when they came to America and introduced to Jesus by white folks. I mean, that's just a lie from the pits of hell. Talking about it, that students are... Um, they're digital consumers, not necessarily digital learners. Uh, live music, enclave, um, some late night uh, group encounter with friends over a meal. There's probably more gospel being preached there than in a church on Sunday morning. Absolutely. So what I, I think the pandemic has given us permission to know that we don't have to be prisoners to a particular worship experience. You know, our ancient African ancestors understood that worshiping God could happen within nature, anywhere. Uh, a filmmaker named Spike Lee is trying to get in touch with you. I'm, I'm doing this movie and I want to open up with a montage of images and I want you to put that montage together. So when you see School Day, realize that you can research your ancestors both post-reconstruction and pre-reconstruction let me let me back up each of you all of us have two parents four grandparents eight great grandparents 16 great great grandparents 32 great 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 grandparents 64 great 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 grandparents 128 great 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 grandparents 256 and, and it the number goes on we come from so many people we have enough people that we descend from to draw strength from on any day of the week. Any day. I, my house. Hey, my sisters. How are you all on this day? Hello. Hello, hello. You in audience, um, let us know that you're here. Pastor Carl Williams, so good to have you with us on today. Come on, let us know that you're here. Let us know where it is that you are viewing and watching us from on today. It is good to be back with y'all. I missed y'all on last week and had a chance to go back later and hear all that I missed. And so it is a blessing to be back. So let's start with you Dr. Wallace, um, you up in D.C. What's what's happening up in D.C.? Girl, we're having the National Faith in Action Forum. And tomorrow we will be on Capitol Hill lobbying with our Congress people around uh, immigration rights and particularly for African-Americans voting rights. So oh. we will be lobbying with them the uh, faith narrative that we and declaration that we live out is that we fight. We fight, mm. fight for and we fight in. So we fight in the world, we fight uh, in the spirit of solidarity, the dignity of black and brown people, the freedom of our indigenous black and brown siblings, we, the moral economy, we just, we fight. We fight for what's right in America. So, and what wow. should be right in America anyway. Wow, wow. And so name name of your organization again, and then you did a special kind of, you participated in, in, a, in a service on today as well. Yeah. So Yes, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, we recognize the ancestors. So before we even started our, uh, our work today with, with workshops, we brought in the ancestors. So part of that, we had our, uh, we had, we got about 500, 600 people, black and brown, uh, white, uh, in Native Americans uh, across the nation. Uh, and we called in the ancestors, the people who have fought, Sojourner Truth, uh, Harriet Tugman, we brought in our families, we brought in people who have been fighting for civil rights uh, their entire lives. So it was a very powerful, powerful ceremony when people recognize the people that have come before them and that their now, spirit is in our space. 
Now, now let me ask you this, and I do want to recognize Drummer D and Dunn, Jocelyn Dunn. Is that Rita Collins yes. and Yomi Clark and Margie Scott? Come on, um, let us know. Hit. We know you're here, but just just let us know that you're here. So I have this question, and 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 I'm, and and this question is in full uh, transparency and, and sincerity. So you did a, a a service with the calling of ancestors, but you also said that white persons were there. So I'm I'm just curious. In this, did they participate? And 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 I'm and and I'm not attempting to be facetious. But my mind kind of goes, okay, a black person called their ancestors, then the white person called. I, what, we what, all what does that look like? We called all of our ancestors, and there have been European white folk that have died in the civil rights movement. And a lot of the white folk that are here called their names and talked about um, the work that they did, people that got killed during the civil rights movement. So okay. that they are, uh, we are in solidarity with the, the Jews, the Native Americans, the um, European Americans. Now we join where we can join, but we step away when we can. Okay. So All right. we, we find ways in which that we can be in solidarity and join each other. For instance, uh, on uh, voting rights. Mm -hmm. The whole group is behind voting rights and getting okay. voting rights for everybody. They really wow. want same day voting uh, uh, registration, uh, and, and they and 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 we talk about how uh, DACA can impact our community as well. How uh, families who are being torn apart because of immigration laws and okay. uh, all right. So, so we're, we're trying to be inclusive of, of, of everybody where we can. That's pretty powerful. And let me just throw it out. I know Dr. Bradford probably is thinking the same as well. If you're in Dallas County, you still, or in Texas, you still have time to vote. Okay, polls do not close until seven tonight. If you've not voted, please vote. All right. Um, um, Sarita Wright, how are you in Kansas? I am doing absolutely amazing it is 74 degrees here right now as you can see i have my little sleeves out because it's a little warm earlier but uh we are doing very very well and okay. to god be the glory all right we're gonna stop you right there amen to god be the glory hallelujah dr bradford how you doing i was hoping i was it's so an inside joke y'all I'm so <laughs> yeah, you cut that thing off so quick. Thank you. I'm doing absolutely um, wonderful. I wanted to echo um, what Dr. Burns um, shared. Um, it is voting time. Um, yes. We don't just vote in November. There are midterms. So please get your vote yep. in until 7 p.m. tonight and again in May. All right. All right. All right. Uh, uh, Dr. Bradford, before we bring our guest up, I know that there's a video. You want to kind of introduce that um, for us, and then we'll we'll show the video that you for us. Show the video. Just just show the video, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Okay. All right. We're kicking off, as you all know, Women's History Month, and we spent a whole lot of time in the in, in both January and in February talking about um, fragility of white folk and yeah. and and also you all just watch this with us. Oh, hey, hey! I was going to buy that. That's mine. I just hadn't taken it to the cash register yet. Oh, well, I guess I could say the same thing, considering I'm the one who's holding it. Yeah, I don't have time for this. Just give it to me. Excuse me? Who do you think you are talking to me like that? Oh, I can talk to you any way I want. <laughs> no, you can't. Look, I'm not leaving here until I get that rope. Well, then we've got a problem. Oh, now you're threatening me? Just give me the robe. I said, give it to me. Stop what is wrong Give it with to you? me. Get off oh. of me. Oh. Aren't you going to do something? She took my robe. She shoved me. I didn't know such thing. And they know it. I have no idea. Fine. I'm calling the police. Go ahead. Call them. Yes, hi. Hi, I'm at a store at Broadway and 60th. I'd like to report an assault. Okay, wait, hold on. That's not what happened. I saw the whole thing. 
Oh, really? Tell it to the cops. See who they believe. Come here, baby. Okay, let's just go. And all we're doing is giving her the attention she wants. I'm not going anywhere. Why? We did nothing wrong. We're gonna miss the movie because this lady lost her mind? Sweetheart, we're staying. Excuse me. The victim's here. Why? We understand there was an incident here a little earlier. Can you tell me what happened? I picked up this robe, that woman tried to grab it from me. Yes, we understand there was some confusion over a piece of clothing. I wasn't confused. I heard it got a little physical. She was coming at me. I put a hand out to hold her back. Look, I don't think anyone wants a problem here. I think what we could use is just a bit of closure. Are you asking me to apologize? If we can't come to a peaceful resolution, we will have to rely on the statements taken. And if she wants to press things further, that's what we'll have to do. I see. Well, fortunately, officer, you won't have to rely on the statements. My niece here got the whole thing on video. Just give me the robe. I said give it to me. Give me what you don't. Get off of me. I see. Thank you. Apologize for the misunderstanding. Excuse me, officer. Don't you want to know if I want to press charges? Do you? No. I have no intention of weaponizing the police. Let's go. Excuse me? Excuse me? Excuse me? I saw your keychain the other day. Turns out real estate agents are pretty easy to find online. What can I do for you? I'm sorry to bother you at work. I don't want to fight. But my aunt was upset after that thing at the store. Like, really upset. And I think she has a right to be. But I just don't know if you understand why, and maybe that's because you've never been on the other side. So, I thought if you watched the video I took, you could see what it looked like from her, or our perspective. Maybe next time, things could be different. You know, you seem like a nice girl. Very articulate and civilized, especially considering the kind of people you were raised by. But if your aunt wants to apologize, she can come do it herself. Hey, Lori. I just made you famous. White fragility. That's what that's about. They think they're the victim. And it was surprised altogether, like she was not doing anything wrong. And this is womanism, right? Woman womanism is where 
we as black women take care of everybody, but we're at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to being taken care of or being protected. And it is, it's, I'm beyond, I, I'm going to use this word upset because this happens every day. Black women are not protected, but they have to protect everybody else. What, what say ye? Well, the fact that she had to ask the officer, excuse me, were you not going to ask if I wanted to press charges? Because the assumption was already there that how dare you? You're not going to press charges against her, even though she's wrong. That's crazy. It's the narrative that we need to change. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's an assumption that the narrative is that they are in the right mm -hmm. all the time. And yet we need to challenge that narrative. And it was done uh, very brilliantly by the young lady in the, in the clip that, uh, wait a minute, uh, this, this is not what happened. Let's tell the real story. And that's what we have to do uh, in our communities. Yeah, um, and I agree with, with everything that you all said. Um, there's a part that also sticks out for me. You call it, um, some said white fragility, but I call it white arrogance. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, in, uh, in, the, in the last scene of the approach, and she goes, you're articulate, you seem civilized. Civilized. Um, articulate and civilized, you know, as as though when those terms are often thrown at us, they are seen as a comment, but not understanding that the mere fact that you're saying it is derogatory. Um, because what lies behind that? In order for you to say that I'm articulate or you say that I'm civilized, then there's an assumption that has been made prior to my speaking or prior to my acting. And it's those assumptions that I think that that we continue to have to wrestle with and fight, and and it becomes a challenge in attempting to wrestle with and fight assumptions when you've been trained by the same sy symptom sy systems that they have been trained, and so so we're all operating supposedly under the same basic kind of training and exposure, but yet even though we can sit in the same classroom together or we sit in the same office space together or we sit here together, you still have these underlying assumptions that when I speak, oh, I'm articulate, or based on my actions, I'm now civilized. And, and these, these kind of uh, matters, I, th this, this continues to be um, the invisible war that we are fighting. They go low. We have no other choice but to go high and videotape it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What is civilized? Thank you to God for cell phones. If it had not been for cell phones, Michael Brown. Yeah. Um, Aubrey. Aubrey. It, it would not, they would not have gotten justice um, if we did not have. I, I think I heard uh, National Action. <coughs> uh, Reverend uh, Sharpton say the best thing that has happened for African-Americans these days is the cell phone. Absolutely, yeah, that, uh, yes. That is absolutely right, Olympia. Mm -hmm. oh. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And Miss Deborah, and articulate assumes um, we're not able to verbalize the injustices that we both witnessed. Yeah. I, it, ah. And so, so with this talking about um, uh, social issues and women um, and those things, these silent ba um, battles that we often fight, I am very pleased to um, present uh, today our guest who's been back backstage. Uh, Sonia Tolliver Irby uh, has over 25 years of leadership experience in sales with expertise in developing strategy, um, building high performance teams and delivering revenue results. She is currently a business development executive with FedEx office where she leads a B2B strategy for revenue performance at over 140 existing retail sites and expansion efforts for the company's on-site locations in hotels across the United States. Prior to this, she spent 21 years building a highly successful career 
in hospitality with Hilton Hotels and other places. She is the recipient of several honors, including the 2018 and 19 FedEx Five Star Award given to the top 1% of team members for performance. Come on, come on, hit the heart buttons for that. She was also selected to serve as an advisor for the company's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council. And beyond her undergraduate and graduate business degrees from Jacksonville State University and University of Phoenix, she has also received a marketing certification from Cornell University. She is passionate about leadership development and helping women discover their abilities to lead with excellence while building a powerful personal brand. As a personal branding advocate and speaker, she helps purpose-driven individuals and teams build brand identity, raise their profile, and increase their sphere of influence. She volunteers her time to share her knowledge, thank you, and experience as a mentor to young women. I am pleased to say that she serves as my president and Dr. Bradford's president of National Coalition of 100 Black Women Incorporated, the Dallas Metropolitan Chapter, a nonprofit organization focused on advocating for Black women and girls in the areas of health, education, and economic empowerment. She is also, she could not be perfect, she is also a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority no, Incorporated, whose mission includes helping girls and women improve their social stature. I don't ever remember the person introducing the guest being interrupted, Dr. Wallace. I know you're up in DC. Okay. Darling. I am pleased to present to our audience on today. Um, this, she is perfect because she started with the best. You have to start with Alpha. To Miss Sonia oh, Irving. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. And thank you to my sister for stepping in for me. I got you. I got you. Sorry. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. I've never. I don't think I don't think we've ever experienced that before in a in a show's introduction. Right? Wallace, you, you know we always be the first. Wallace is having yeah. internet problems. She's getting I, she's obviously getting so, and and she seems so articulate and civilized. And so civilized. <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh, we, we own it. <laughs> we will step in with faith and action when we are being. Uh, when our character is being demonized. And so, um, um, Sonia, Madam President for me, um, it is such a pleasure to have you um, with us on today. And Dr. Bradford um, brought this question for us and we presented it to all of our guests. Tell us, how have you navigated during this COVID-19? Well, I can tell you. Well, first of all, thank you again for having me tonight. I'm, I was excited about this opportunity to spend some time with you ladies and chat. Um, and here we are again in another virtual environment, right? But that, that's kind of how we've navigated through um, COVID-19. For myself, just learning to spend quality time with myself, learning that I didn't have to be on an airplane every month, that it is possible to stay at home. <laughs> And uh, so professionally, of course, I had to learn how to navigate a remote work environment. I'm one of those people who I used to love being in the office. I wanted a front row seat to everything that went on in the office. And I have truly adapted to being at home now, so much so that the recent announcement that we were returning to the office, really, uh, I told my boss, it sent me to a dark place because I'm not ready. I don't want to go. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, that's how, I mean, really the, the virtual environment was the, although we are all tired of it now, it was really the, the salvation for me during the pandemic because it kept me connected personally to friends and, and to all the organizations and, and continue to do the work that I do and also um, the work that I do at, at, in my professional career as well. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so um, Tell us in this viewing audience, there's some persons, you know, they, you know, we tease about the divine nine. They're aware of, of sororities and the fraternities, but there's still many persons who are not familiar with the National Coalition of 100 Black Women. So tell us a little bit about it and its formation. 
Absolutely. Well, the National Coalition of 100 Black Women Incorporated is a 40-year-old advocacy organization. And I know some people find that hard to believe because this is probably the first time for many of you that you're even hearing about it. But the organization has been in existence for 40 years. Um, our mission is to advocate on behalf of Black women and girls in the areas of health, education, and economic empowerment. Um, the organization itself was formed in the early 70s by our founder, a woman by the name of Mrs. Edna Beach in upstate New York. And her vision at the time was really to bring women together to support the efforts of the civil rights movement. But by 1981, she had galvanized over 500 women who came together to continue to advocate um, even as we saw developments in the civil rights movement. So the mission, of course, over this 40 years has expanded and that number of 100 has certainly well been exceeded. We have over okay. 60 chapters and over 3,500 members across the United States. So the 100 has become symbolic in nature. Um, the Dallas chapter here was, was chartered in June of 2018. So we are still very young and new to the Dallas area of as well. So the, the vision was the vision of our chartering president, Mia Johnson, who wanted us to really have a voice in the community for women and Black girls and Black women to advocate in the local Dallas area community. So that is how we have come on the scene here in Dallas with that mission and that goal in mind is to continue to advocate and to promote leadership development, which was really uh, what was attractive to me um, in, in this area as well. Wow. Well, um, I, I've already said that you, you you serve as our president. And, and again, I want to say to our beauty audience, she has been a splendid uh, president um, for us and our, our local champions. She pushes us hard, but she keeps us on purpose and focus. And so very grateful for that. So what what would um, or, or tell us um, why should black women be excited about this organization? And what are some of the work? Um, what are some of the work that you're most proud of from the local chapter? Well, I'm going to say not just Black women, but all women should be excited ah. about this organization. Now, while we unapologetically represent Black women, many of the issues that we face as Black women are not unique to us. Issues like health disparities, wealth disparities, econ economic inequities. Those are ex experiences that many women have. So you've heard the, the phrase rising tide rides, um, floats all boats. So as we rise, others rise who fight the same issues as we do. So I think all women should be excited um, and be supportive of this organization. The, uh, the Dallas chapter is it will turn four this June. And so we are still very young in our development. I'm honored to serve as the president of the chapter, especially in these very early stages, growth and development, because organizational growth, um, developing high performance teams, all of those things are the things that I love to do. So we are building awareness still about our organization. We are growing our membership. We are over 60 members now. And we are still learning, if we're honest, about how we can best support the community with our voice and our resources. The Dallas metropolitan area is, is vast and it's a lot of ground to cover. So we are still finding exactly where we can be of benefit to the community. Um, our membership, extremely diverse, diverse females from all backgrounds, entrepreneurs, we have corporate executives, judges, attorneys, healthcare workers, technology, retail. We cover the gamut in terms of talent and resources. And so that's another strength of the organization that we bring. Um, these women bring all these diverse talents to the table and they produce programming that is educational, that is, um, that is advocating for black women and girls. Um, so we we are very excited about the work that we wow. have been able to do in such a short, short amount of time. Um, we've received model chapter status from our national organization for two years in a row for an organization that has only been in existence for three. And we're very proud of that accomplishment. That means that we have met the standards of our national organization consistently. Um, we've launched a mentoring program for teenage girls, our Metamorphosis Mentoring Program for teenage girls ages 12 to 17. And that program introduces them to life skills, helps them prepare for the future, growing future leaders, and gets them ready for college as well. We've wow. doubled our college scholarship contributions. 
we gave away um, over four scholar four scholarships last year, over six thousand dollars in total, um, just last year. And so hopefully we'll be able to do that again this year. Uh, we've partnered with well over twenty five organizations. Many people have really stepped up to help us provide, develop, and provide this programming and provide information and resources. And we, we don't do it alone. We certainly have sponsors and strategic alliances that we partner with to get these things done. So we have executed programs like our Sisternomics program around financial literacy and wealth building, our Barbara Jordan Civic Engagement Committee and series, and our Public Policy Committee has been doing a fantastic job of really educating on the issues, developing our public policy agenda, and the role of those in the legal justice system who look like us. Wow, wow, that is heavy. Dr. Bradford, I see there's a question in the chat. Um, you want to pose yes. that to, to a person? Sure. Yes. It says, how can an individual join, connect, or connect with the organization NCBW? Absolutely, well, we are an invitation-only uh, membership. So I would suggest getting involved in some of our activities. You can follow us online. You can go to our website at ncbwdallas.org. You can follow us on any of our social media channels. If you see the QR code on my um, background, you can just scan that and that'll take you to all of our social media channels. And I say get connected to us, get to know us, um, join some of our events and programs. And, and when we do take membership, we certainly do meet and greets to introduce people to our organization and continue to educate what we're all about and if this is really the right organization for you. Wow. 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 We're going to kind of um, uh, shift gears on you just a, a little bit now. Um, sure. You have over 25 years of leadership experience in sales with expertise in developing strategy, um, along with great success in the hospitality industry. Tell us, how have you managed to survive in a corporate setting? And what advice would you offer to those just entering the field or perhaps even now struggling in the field? Yeah. Yeah, this is a really great question. And I, I wish I could tell you that early on in my career, I had this strategy that I followed. So basically, people now are getting the benefit of what I learned along the way. And I, I can share what sustained me over the past 25 years in corporate America. I, maybe four, four or five things I'll give you. One, having advocates and mentors, you, you just have to. I learned very early on because there was no one in, in corporate America when I started my career in my company that looked like me. There were very few. So um, I developed sponsors and advocates very early on. And I have to say, very few of them looked like me in my early career oh, wow. as time went on. Um, so don't count out the fact that that you do need allyship is what we call it today, right? Um, you do need advocates, you do need mentors, and not just female. You need male mentors as well because they're the ones who invented the game. They know how to navigate corporate mm -hmm. America. So you definitely need those advocates and mentors. Um, I'd also say you need to build your own personal brand and it has to start early. You, you, you have to know what you want your brand to be throughout your career. It's going to evolve. It's going to change. It's going to morph. But you need to focus on what that brand image you want that brand image to be, whether you're in the room or out of the room. Your brand image has to speak for you. And so you'll continue to enhance that throughout your career through promotions and and different positions, and especially for young people. I, I have to say the young people, when I talk to young people about not just building a brand, but protecting it across all channels, because social media can be detrimental to your brand. So you, you have to say, you may say what I post on social media is my business. And in this day and age, people are looking at the total person. When they say bring your whole self to work, they want to know what your whole self is, not just your nine to five self. So they want to see what you are made of in and out of the office. Sarah, would you talk to us, um, if you don't mind, about branding? Sure. And how how uh, would you recommend that young women moving into corporate America begin to create their own brand? Great question. So when I talk to people about building their personal brand, I, 
First of all, we, we, we think about a brand, we think about it like a symbol, like the Nike swoosh or a logo like Coca-Cola, but it's really more than that. That's, that is really just a logo or a trademark. A brand is really what your company stands for or what you as an individual stand for, and you want that reflected in your image. So for example, the Nike swoosh, when you see that, you don't even have to see the word Nike. You, you have an idea of what that means. It's, it's about performance. It's about endurance. It's about strength. Those are the words that resonate when you just see that symbol. So it's the same for your personal brand. What resonates with people about you when they see you? And I usually teach people to pick words that they want to represent their brand or that they think represents their brand. And then ask a partner or a colleague, to do the same, give you words that they feel represent your brand. And that gives you an opportunity to see the difference between perception and reality. And so from there, you can determine your brand identity and, and what you want it to say about you. Competent, detail oriented, critical thinker, whatever that is um, that you want to be known for. And as I said, both in and out of the room, and you begin to build on that reputation, defining your strengths through your education, your promotions, your special assignments through networking. Don't discount the networking part because that's a skill in itself. And if you are known for that, one of the, the strongest skills that I have is, is intangible. And when people ask me, what's your strongest skill? I say it's relationship building because without the relationships I've been able to build, my career wouldn't be where it is today. Um, wow, thank you. Um, that was a wonderful question, Dr. Wallace. I, I want to ask um, kind of between the last two questions that you've had um, about seeking mentors, having an advocate um, and building personal brand, because especially when we're talking about women and then more specifically black women, um, that you brand seem, it seems to go along with self-esteem, how you see yourself. And, and we've not necessarily had too many um, positive you know, ways of how we can be able to embrace it, especially when we're talking about a corporate setting or where most of us are um, in a church kind of setting. So, so how, 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 how does one get the confidence to get, a, be an, to get a, a mentor, an advocate, and to help them understand their identity to begin to build their brain? That right. makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I would say one of the ways is being observant in the corporate environment or whatever environment you're in, right? You observe the other behaviors of other people, how they conduct themselves, how they, uh, I had a mentor early in my career and the way she walked into the room and commanded the room, I wanted to be able to do that. But like you said, I didn't have the confidence at the time to do it. So I watched her and I, I would emulate her and think about ways that I could position myself when I come in the room to look as powerful until I really had it. Right. So I did things like, where do I sit in the meeting? Do I sit in a position of authority? Do I speak up in the meeting? Even if I'm repeating something that someone else says. So you kind of develop your, your personal and then culture of your company also feeds into that as well. Um, the culture of your company takes on some, you take on some of those attributes as well as what you can observe of other people. Now, you're not creating something that's artificial, so to speak, because that's where that confidence comes in. And you you can do things like Myers-Briggs testing and personality testing to learn about yourself and what does rise to the top as a strength and what does be an area of opportunity for you. So you have to put in some work. Your career development is your responsibility. Your brand development is your responsibility. Gone are the days of climbing the corporate ladder and someone give you the map for climbing the corporate ladder or tap you on the shoulder and say, we want you in this role. So you, your career development, your brand development, it is it is your responsibility. That means you have to to do the work. Right. You have to ask for a mentor. Um, you have to ask them for what you want specifically. Right. Going to someone and say, will you mentor me? really not productive for either party. You want them to mentor you in the areas that you really feel like you need the help in growth and development. And the mentorship is a two-way street, right? You're, you're giving them something as well. I mentor people and I learn from them all the time. I love to learn to mentor young people because they keep me young. They keep me on top of what's going on in corporate America today. So I, I think Black women 
we're just now coming to this place where we believe that we are a valued commodity in the workforce and not not to diminish us to just a commodity, but but I think we're now just now starting to believe it, that Black Girl Magic is not just a slogan, it's a thing. And so we are now empowered through that collective voice to ask for what we want and to go after for what we want. So I, I encourage Black women to, to know what they want, go after it, whether it be a mentor, establish yourself, establish your brand, and leverage your knowledge and experience to get what you want out of your career. I want to, um, sorry, to talk a little bit more about building relationships and not just building relationships going up. Okay. But oh, excuse me, excuse me, Dr. Wallace. Um, Sorrow is not necessary every time you are addressing Messiah Urban. Okay, this is this is this is not an <laughs> AKA show. Okay, like, this is <laughs> no, no, not jealous. Not no. Let's let's be clear. Not jealous. But okay, but I just I just wanted to throw that I, in. I Go want ahead. I want to uh, honor you. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, and and to let the world know that we have people like yourself that are running organizations and you got there not just because of Alpha Kappa Alpha, but because of the other relationships yes. that you built up the line, uh, uh, peers, as well as people um, that you mentored. So would you talk about building those relationships? Absolutely. So because I am a salesperson, that's really where that comes from, right? Being a salesperson and having to build customer relationships. So when I first started in sales, I really didn't think I was good at that. I didn't, well, I didn't think I was good at selling. I didn't want to come across as a used car salesman. So I had to find something that worked for me to make me feel like I was confident enough to go ask these people to spend millions of dollars on our products and services. So uh, one of the things I was good at is, of course, talking and uh, and then finding something in common with the other person to talk about or finding something that they were interested in to talk to them about. So regardless of the level, I've, I've sold at the C-suite level and I've sold at the administrative assistant level. You can always find a relational bond with people that you can build on that and develop a relationship over a period of time. And it's not just a, a one-time thing, right? When you're in sales, people think that you sell it and you move on. But I think it's important to, to maintain those relationships. And that could be a phone call, a text message, um, a, a, an IM, you know, just something to stay in touch with people over a period of time. So I think relationship building is, is so very important. And not just because you may want something. You shouldn't build relationships based on the fact that you need something or want something from a person. You never know when you might need them at some point in the future. So um, to develop a, um, a network, so to speak, over a period of time is becomes valuable as well because you don't know how you can leverage that in the future. Um, I, I feel like I have a vast network and a diverse network. So, yes, everything from my sorority sisters to my coalition sisters, people I went to college with, people who I became friends with in different cities, um, people who I've worked with in different corporations or as my customers. Some of my customers are my closest friends now. So I, I cannot put a value on building the ability to build and maintain relationships. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. My sister. <laughs> Good. Let, let us um, ask you uh, this, this question. Um, you talked about personal brand, talked about building relationship, um, your experience, and you talked about um, advocacy. Um, what Tell us what we, we have a lot of persons that are pastors and others um, who are, are listening. How wanna so we want to ask you a church brand question. Okay. What would you suggest to leaders of black churches 
to better build their brand identity? So I thought about this question a little bit. Um, I think when I think of the church or when many people think of the church, they don't think business. And I think it's difficult for people to view the church as a business as well. And it, it really is, especially the black church is hard sometimes for people to view the church as a business. And it really is. And there's a business side and black church leaders are the CEOs and the COOs of those organizations or those businesses, if you will. And that doesn't rule out the role of the Holy Spirit or prayer in your decision making. But you are doing business in the world where Christian principles or religious principles sometimes just don't apply. So being able to make that shift or balance is important is an important aspect, I think, of church leadership. So from a brand identity perspective, I think including something like driving innovation, being innovative, adaptability, forward thinking. Those are um, important attributes. Wait, 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 slow, slow down. You threw out three things right okay. there. So, slow down so we can get it. Okay. Driving so, innovation. Driving innovation. All right. Yes. Creativity. Mm -hmm. And adaptability. Forward thinking. Those are brand monikers, if you will, that I think for black church leaders, you shouldn't. You know, we when we think about black church leaders, we we love to say things like, oh, he can really pray. Oh, he can really preach or she can really sing. And if you could do all three, you, you really mm -hmm. got to go on. Mm -hmm. But think about if if your pastor or pastors or church leaders were known for driving innovation or being creative or um, forward thinking. Those are attributes that that will help the church continue to remain relevant in that business realm going going forward. So if I can give an example, if you think about it, churches were streaming services way before the pandemic. And we were doing online giving way before the pandemic. Now we call that contactless payment or contactless giving. But those were forward thinking things. We didn't really think about them bringing the value that they did when we were in the pandemic. But we've been streaming church service for a long time. So now the walls of the church are down. And the local church is can now easily be the global church. So that's when things like e-commerce and marketing come in. Um, and, and in those spaces, regardless of your church's size, your service is broadcast to the world now. So this is where the church can now step up and be a leader in that space. You're purchasing those products, equipment and services from the same companies as my corporation does. And so. It's, it's an opportunity to lead in that space. How do you deliver um, biblical principles, teaching, support, services through all these new channels that we have today? That would just be my humble advice. <laughs> I really kind of want to hear from our viewing audience and, and even my, my co-host here, because you threw out three things that are not normally associated with church. Exactly. Innovate, innovation, creativity, mm -hmm. and adapt and adaptability. Yes. And then you and then you added clarity to adaptability by saying forward thinking. Yeah. Um, th you, we ask about how you can build a church brand, and and, and you, I, I see the baby in the bathwater going out the window. <laughs> 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 this is um that's wow. Uh, let me hear from my co-host. Well, I think innovation is where the black church is right now anyway because mm -hmm. we have had to rethink church. Yes. We had so we had to be innovative in order to keep our hands, keep our keep the connection alive, um, which also requires creativity. So I can't do it the way I used to. Now I've got to come up with another, a creative way of staying connected uh, with people. Do I call them? Uh, do I send them a text message? Do I send them emails? So, so for me, that is innovation and creativity together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, uh, uh, that, that is good. And while it's, um, I, I, you, 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 to me, you're being such a wonderful optimist by it because um, 
my experience is that many of our black churches have refused to be innovative in this pandemic. And because of it, some doors perhaps might, ne might not ever open again because... Um, they, they go yeah. by the way of the dinosaur. You know, it's the same thing. You, 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 if you don't remain relevant, then you become extinct. So in my mind, and, and maybe I am optimistic um, because mm -hmm. I'm, I don't have to, uh, from day to day, run an actual church organization. But for me, it's the same thing. It, it, we have to figure out um, and, and it's finding a niche. Everybody can't do um, texting. Everybody may not be able to do live streaming the way that Christian Chapel does live streaming. So how do I find what I do best, which is what I heard as a part of branding, what does my church offer that other churches may or may not offer, or I can do better. So that that's the innovation, that's the forward thinking in my mind. Uh, I, I I would like to hear from those of you that are the three of you that are pastors. I I'm I am coming from maybe an optimistic perspective. You know, I I think at this time. Um, what you're saying is very relevant and so important, but so many of our seniors are not, uh, um, I don't want to say competent with technology, but they don't really know the technology or understand the technology. So with that brand, there has to be something that's yet going to include them and, and to reach them um, as well as help them to get a better understanding. And, and like I said, not, not, leave them out um how do we reach them how do we uh, even not even seniors some will tell you that they don't text um and so when you start talking about Streamyard, start talking about zoom they miss it because they can't figure the technology out but most of our elders uh dr wright have grandchildren that's true. And they love the grandbabies. <laughs> and I promise you, uh, at, at least in my case, uh, you guys know I'm the dinosaur on this show. Be at times because I don't operate the technology like the rest of you. So um, I, it behooves me to mm -hmm. figure it out and ask my grandchildren and my children Hey, show me how, how to do this. Now, they don't have to show me more than one time. And that's where our patience comes in with our elders. We, we've got to be able to, to reach them where they are. And we're dense sometimes when it comes to technology. So we've got to hear it over and over. I, I hope I, I shared the broadcast. I may not have today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know I know how difficult that that is for those of us that are seniors. So um, I, I, we keep I trying. Think we don't give up. We keep trying. But you someone know. gave said in the comments. I said you can look at the, the in the rural areas. Then there there's not the uh, technology or there's not the internet. They don't have yeah. good connection to the internet, and so there's uh, that's another. But if I but if I'm if I'm hearing our guess correctly, it's it's not just about internet. It is about whatever you're doing, being innovative, being creative, and being forward thinking in the whatever it is that you're right. you're doing, and and so taking and and you can help um, here, um, um, Madam President. But but that that is is not about. And in, in being in driving innovation, being creative and being adaptable is not about what you don't have, mm -hmm. but it's about what you do have. And then how do you make that become forward thinking, creative 
right how do you how do you leverage what you do have and and what is the strategy to get them where you need them to be right or if there's a segment of membership you want to attract how do you reach that segment so are we leveraging our youth to do outreach when we think outreach from the church we think going out in the community holding prayer meeting or whatever but what if we're leveraging our youth to go out in the community and teach seniors how to use their technology Mm -hmm. um, what if we're advocating for internet in rural areas? And that is about, I, I learned recently that, that there are areas of Dallas that don't have internet, but it's not because it's not available, they can't afford it. So we're advocating to, to get them access through libraries or other places like that. And that's, that's something that the church could do as well. How do we get that internet to them? Because if you don't have internet these days, you're cut off from the world almost. So that's the forward thinking part, right? That's the leveraging what you do have to to get to the audience that either you, you don't have or you want to keep. One of our viewers says, uh, partnering with organizations that assist in the area of deficiency, examples, AARP, etc. They create a group for young people to mentor elders and to receive volunteer hours which is powerful. I, I'd not heard and, it before. And, and may I add, um, and even our president with the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, that in some of the efforts of being done in the partnership as well, and so that you perhaps can find in your local areas, um, the National Coalition, Coalition 100 Absolutely. Black Women that are doing some of those same things. Absolutely, because with 62 members, we can't possibly cover the, the Metroplex, right? And technology has been our friend, especially during the pandemic, we've been able to get the word out to a broader audience, but we definitely had to partner with, with financial health, ex, financial experts, health experts. We had to partner with a number of people to get that information out. But you have something right there on your screen that's scan code. Mm -hmm. uh, how many of us thought about having that scan code that will take our seniors directly to our webpage or take them directly to uh, the innovation that we have in our, that we offer in our churches. It's, I, I, I love not looking at the, I mean, it looks, sounds to me like the widow and the widow's might. What do you have? Not what mm -hmm. I don't have, but what do I have? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Use what's in your hand. That's a, that's what I say. And being adaptable doesn't mean that you're stiff. It means that you are open and engaging and, and hopefully um, encountering um, a brighter way or a different way, right? So if we're engaging others, old, young, middle-aged, whatever it is, we're working together to do it, to get it done. Right. That's relationship. That's called, mm -hmm. I think that's called building relationships. Yeah, that's building relationships as well. I argue as vertical as well as, well as horizontal. That's exactly. Exactly. Wow. Well, exactly. Wow. well, well, I want to, I want to thank, okay. Yeah. I want to thank you, um, Sonia Irby, Madam President, for being with thank us you. today. Um, any closing thoughts that you want to give us right before um, we reached our time? I would just say um, in this day and age, Black women should remember that you are valuable, that you have a lot to offer, and that you should be confident in who you are and being able to go out and get what you want, regardless of your status in life. There is a leader in each and every one of us. We just have to draw out those leadership qualities. Wow. Wow. Thank you so very much. Hang around backstage for us, please. I will. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. On I'm proud, <laughs> proud, proud. I am proud. <clears throat> so glad that you're so articulate and civilized, Dr. Wallace. Yes. <laughs> um, on Thank next week, uh, <laughs> on next week, um, we want to share with you all that we have a very special guest. I'm bringing the organization with us. Um, Natasha Robinson, I believe, is at. Uh, um, with legalese. I'm here to talk about uh, navigating um, and what the knowledge that we should have in navigating um, many of the issues that we face. And again, I want to, uh, so I want you all to be a part of, part of that. And those of you in Dallas, in Texas, 
in Dallas County, today's election day, and in doing my ballot, um, that 80% of our ballot were judges, were judges. And so, so many of the issues that we have, um, we often like to complain about the judicial system, but we don't realize that we have a vote in who it is that uh, controls so much of this. Make sure that you vote and make sure that you're with us on next week with Legalese, Natasha Robinson, Attorney Natasha Robinson um, will be with us. You don't wanna miss this. Thank you for joining us on today. Same time, same place. See you next week.